Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. You know what? I'm just gonna let you do the intro. You're like, it's for the last couple of weeks I've been like, well, she's not in studio today, but guess who's back? Gang? I'm back. It's Katie. I'm so excited to be back in studio today. On Tunday. It's actually not. It's actually Tuesday. But I was out yesterday. It feels like a ton day to me. <laughs> it's a ton day for you. I was not out yesterday. Man, I like, and I mean, I'm not going to go into it on air. Welcome to the True Wealth Show, everybody. Just so you know. Yeah, I'm not going to go into it on air. But oh my gosh, my personal life has been a little bit of a, a train wreck this last month. Like I lost all of June. I don't even know what happened to June. Like it just is gone. So I am very glad to kind of be back in the saddle, back into normal. I hate, I, I don't even want to say the word normal anymore. I feel no, like I should wash there, my mouth out with soap. because There that's, is no such thing as normal. Uh, we are in just... Like crisis mode or something all the time. It feels like it's just it's a weird pandemic mode. I mean, what is we, it? I don't know. Uh, here, I can't avoid the topic. I mean, I should, but I'm not... You know, well, we can the, do it without making it super political. Well, and, and so this isn't about political. This is just this really interesting observation around. Everybody knows by now that July 1, there's an order to wear masks if you're in public. Right. Inside any Which public, is tomorrow. public buildings, right? I'm, is it outside too or just I inside? I think it's outdoors. I thought it was in any public space. Public space. And so even outdoors, we're saying we got to wear these masks. And there's two observations that i will make about this that are just sort of driving me batty okay okay observation number one observation number one the group that is the most threatened seems to be the group that also is the least likely to comply which group would that be well so folks that are higher at risk and i'm just going to go ahead and say it i'm not trying to be mean or anything like that we're talking statistically statistically but we're not folks, picking you out folks that are older okay tend to be the ones that have said look been there done that i don't want to do it <laughs> okay it's like they just sort of acknowledge hey this could happen and so they just shrug their shoulders and go it's my time it's my time i don't want to do this you know that's interesting you say that because i've had some decent conversations about wearing masks and not wearing masks with the generation that i will say is 60 plus mm-hmm. um and they've actually said, like, oh, my gosh, I'm concerned that people aren't wearing masks. And, like, I mean, not that they want to wear them. I think they all are kind of like grumble, grumble, grumble. Nobody really wants to wear one. But um, but they've gone, man, like, I'm at risk. It makes me nervous that other people aren't doing anything about it. And so I, I the people that I've talked to, 16 plus, have, have a little different. Like, they don't mind wearing them, and they know it's for their protection. Um, See, I've ta- I've not talked to very many people in that group at all. Most people have kind of said, "It's up to me. I'll wear it for me," but I don't know why everybody's doing this. It's yeah. It it's definitely very divided, right? Like I, I honestly, I don't care if you want me to wear a mask. I'll wear a mask. It sucks. I'm not comfortable. I don't like it, but I'll do it. Like I'm not defiant. I don't. I it doesn't. I'm not trying to make a political statement. You know, I'm I'm a rule follower. I like to follow the rules, even when I don't agree with them. And part of that is I'm trying to teach my children. Got to follow the I'm, rules. I'm rolling my eyes a little bit here. It's like, do you now? I, I don't mind bending them, but I don't break them. <laughs> hmm. So here's, here's my other observation on this. Yes. I think that most people that are not mean are willing to wear a mask, but 
as soon as you tell somebody to do something, it's different than asking them. If you ask me to do something, I am so quick to be like, how this can is I totally, help? by the way, this is totally David. David has said this multiple times. Like, but it's you, not just me. No, I know lots of no, people I like agree. me. They're like, I agree. If you ask for help, man, I will go out of my way to help you. You start demanding something of me, and I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, no. Just a big nope. Just that's not <laughs> how that works. Okay. We, you know, you can ask for something, but nobody's, there's no compulsion. Right. And that's part of the issue here. So I have a, I have a question as um, as I was talking to another business owner about semantics. So if it's like a wedding or a private party, which is not technically open to the public. Right. Because like I don't the, know the answer. The Food Administration and everything else defines like open to the public that anybody can come or anybody can sign up like they can walk off the street and be part of it. Right. But if it's a private event like a wedding where it's invite only, are they required to still wear masks or not? I don't know. Because this is but like they're also haven't we said there's limitations on group sizes and things like that? True. Still? But but again, it goes into the so what is like defined as public wedding. I guess it's no big deal. Yeah. Or I think it's 20, 20, 25, 25, 25 I think. So that, I'm that's not kinda... even tracking the rules. Look, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I will comply <laughs> because I follow the rules. But it is building like a negative animosity. There's a growing distrust because the more that we have things that are dictated on high that don't come through the representative channel, but instead simply come through either gubernatorial or presidential edict. Okay. The less trust it builds with me. Interesting. Okay. Okay. It's not about, we didn't take a vote or anything. We just said, we're doing this now because we know better than you. And I just go, whoa. Do right? you know? Yeah. Do you know? Do you? <laughs> yeah. And I just go, whoa. And and here's the other thing that I've talked about uh, is I just don't know that we've gotten the actuarial science right on this. Well, so we talk about statistics a lot on the show, mm-hmm. right? And people are like, oh, statistically, there's way more cases. And I said, well... Statistically, we're testing more of the population. But what I have yet to see in any statistics report is how many people have tested positive that are asymptomatic because they're just lumping everybody together like, oh, you tested and you're positive. Okay, but they're not right. sick. Well, and hospitalization rates are climbing. Okay. okay. So testing more and hospitalization rates are climbing. Uh, I haven't seen the statistics on death rate, and uh, that's okay. I, I'm... It's hard to call on this stuff anymore because there's just a data dump everywhere. I mean, right? I, that's kind of how I feel. I'm like, right how am I? Which one am I supposed to look at? The the science behind the mask thing is, look, if it's aerosol already, it's too late. They're just trying to stop the really big clumpy stuff. Like, don't sneeze it in somebody's face. So wear a mask. <laughs> that's pretty close because particulate wise, <laughs> the mask doesn't stop. This the analogy was it's like using a chain link fence to stop mosquitoes right i mean it doesn't work right and and so and i don't know and then i hear doctors saying like well then tell your surgeon not to wear a mask and i'm like well i'm pretty sure that what it says is this is so the surgeon doesn't spit in you while they have you cut open and they're doing surgery or sneeze or drool or like lots of things, whatever right? that's coming it's, out of it's his just, body it's sweat a fluid <laughs> issue but if it's aerosol and it's in the or it's like well you know there's a good chance you're gonna get it People still get sepsis, even though everybody's wearing right. 
I don't so, know. I'm not a physician. I'm not qualified for this one. I just know that you get enough people telling you what to do instead of asking. And there's going to be a group that pushes back. And this is the thing. You'll never legislate perfect safety because there will be people that will say no just because they don't want to follow the rules. Even if the rules are in their best interest, they're just defiant. True. So We call that oppositional defiance. <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing. There's a portion of the population that, that will always be like that. So you're not going to get per to perfect. And, you know, I don't even, you, it's like you can't even have a conversation like this anymore. Because if I, if you, you know, some people's like, well, if you don't agree, you're a horrible, awful, evil person. End of discussion. You should be canceled. To which I just shrug my shoulders and go, wow, well, that was effective. <laughs> that was easy. All right. And then there are some people that will say, I don't care about the data no matter what. I insist that we must do this thing, period. And if you don't, so it's like you just, you have folks that say, well, it's all about freedom. And then I always joke and say, well, then how do you feel about pants? Right. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, like there is no shoes, no pants, no service. There is some <laughs> form of like, well, look, you know, we, so I, I don't know where it is. I just know that there's this boogeyman out there that we can't see. And we keep kind of changing the rules, right? It started as flatten the curve, and then it became now we need like some form of treatment. And here's my bigger concern actuarially, and we can make this relevant on this show, right? Which is what happens if we twist, or let's, let's say we just crank the restrictions back up for whatever reason. You can say because people were, you know, didn't follow the the rules or can we open back too soon or we open it all or whatever nah, but, i'm blaming all the protests well I, I will just say really simply if we don't reopen the economy there will be other things that become just as bad as this virus well and or I, worse right right i mean you don't see it but it will escalate and it will become something where you go Oh my gosh, the unintended consequences. In the quest for perfected safety, we accidentally built a really dangerous mechanism that's kind of roll over us and crush us. Yeah, I mean. Wow, that was a big, like, whoo, that's kind of heavy. It's very heavy, but there are these other costs associated well, with Well, there's this. ripples, right? So it's, it's, there's supply. These are not ripples, these are big waves. Right. Tsunamis. Yes. There's tsunamis, right? Like you, the first one comes and you think it's over. And guess what? There's another one that's on the horizon that's coming right back at you. It's the supply chain stuff. Like, I don't know if you started to notice, but like shelves are a lot more sparse and certain things are still missing. And there's not really a restock in sight yet. Like there's just, I went into a store the other day and, and even my daughter was like, wow, the shelves are really empty. Did they just open? And I said, nope, they can't get what they need. And trying to order stuff, um, you know, stuff is still coming from China, but it's definitely on the slow boat now because they're trying to figure out how to get it, where to get it, what's going on with it, and then people don't trust it. And, and I interesting statistics like consumer spending is declining. Now, on the flip side, savings rates are increasing, but that's more of a fear sign, right? So if we're expecting economic recovery, we're certainly better than we were a few months ago. Right. I mean, the, the, the consumer is spending more than they were a few months ago, but compared to a year ago or compared to pre-COVID levels, still off. Well, if we took I don't even know what por portion or ratio or whatever, but if we took a portion of what we buy that we normally get from China and that supply chain is broken, then there's a portion of consumer spending that automatically is turned off based on what we can't get any longer. Yeah. And then there's an economic theory that says if it's unavailable, there'll be substitutions. So usually the money gets relocated. But it's just interesting to see 
where – because – so there's these knock-on effects, right, that happen when you shut an economy down. I don't know if we really talk about these on the show much, but I think we should. We should talk about what happens if we were to shut the economy back down because I think investors need to look at this, right? They oh, need, it's super important. They, they need to look at – the tale of two scenarios, or maybe maybe three. Let's let's say we got A, B, and C here. Okay, A, just keep doing what we're doing right now. B, partial shutdown. Three, crank it down hard. Okay, Ooh. so, but they're gonna make us take a break. Okay, so we'll do that. We'll come back, and I want to give you a sense of hey, you're trying to figure out as an investor, what are some things to consider. We'll talk about those right after this. This is David Littlejohn and Katie Shuck, and you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. I am your host, David Littlejohn, and back in studio Aww, with me. Katie Shook. I miss it. All right, we love it here, and uh, it's honestly probably my favorite time of the week. I love doing the True Wealth Show. Uh, love our listeners. It's super fun. Uh, we're going to try to turn this into the positive scenario, which is so... It doesn't have to be positive or negative. It's, it's, Let's turn it into the reality show. Okay, What's the, the reality okay, good, about what's good. going on about the masks? Because, you know, I don't want people to think we're, you know, just being fluffy. And I also don't want them to think we're hiding anything from them. Like, let's just tell it right. like it is. And it, this, I'm going to say, though, this is as apolitical as one can make it. Everybody out there realizes that, okay, I mean, so Dave's a church guy and he's pretty conservative. But I'm pretty open-minded about, like, look, I'll hear you out. And I will meet in the middle and compromise with people because that's how stuff happens in the world. But you're right? also about the data. You're not about the side. Like right. you, it's not an emotion thing for me. But I it's need not to be a team around. thing for you either. It's not like they're my team, so I have to vote with my team because they're my team. Correct. It's like you always look and go, you know what? I want the best guy to win. I want the best platform, yeah. the best data. Like you're constantly looking I'm, for the best. I'm an unusual personality. Uh, I'm what you would call a maximizer, first of all, which means I like to squeeze the most out of the opportunity set possible. Okay. Yes, you do. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm frustratingly so to some because I'm like, <laughs> nope, it's got to be the best for if, you know whatever we're spending on it. It must be the best that we can get at that price point. So that's the first thing. Right. And it also means I'm not a single issue voter. No, you like right. to look at everything and like really, I mean, I believe that you kind of do the yes and no column. It's like, oh, yes, yes, it's, no, yeah, the, no, the no. Ben Franklin and, cheat chart. It's like right? I'm, I'm weighing multiple issues and kind of getting an aggregated balance. I'm not like a, well, it's this thing and it's all or nothing based on that issue. Well, and I've seen you say, you know, well, based on my influences, right? Like, so I, you know, I'm conflicted because like part of me thinks it should be this way, but then you know, I understand. And like where I'm coming with that is like, you know, your wife's a teacher. So sometimes when it comes to school board or school issues, it's like, well, this affects my wife this way. And so, you know, but how do I feel personally about this issue? And so I think sometimes right. there's conflict. Well, and it's even, I'll give you a great example. Okay. Uh, I've used this term on this show before. It's called a pernicious incentive, which is a fancy way of saying that you actually make it, uh, you give an incentive to do something bad or naughty. Okay, and so the example would be when you pay somebody more to not work than to work. Yeah. Okay, that's a pernicious incentive. Right. And so I go, that is not right. Right. And yet, if I had a client that was eligible for assistance 
even if I, on the academic level, disagreed with the assistance, but the client qualified, I would say, go get until it. we fix the system, you should go utilize it to your advantage. Right. Okay. And so I don't consider that a conflict in ethics. Okay. I say, I can right. say we need systemic change and I'm willing to to to, to work towards the change, right? But, but for now, but well, we're going to work within the system that everybody agreed upon as well, right? So let's change the system if it's bad. And P.S. It is in many places. Uh, it's not all bad, by the way. There's some people who are like, "Oh, government, this side." It's like, nope, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's a single issue voter thing. Okay, that is such a weird term, by the way, which most younger people do not understand. Yeah, and those younger people should read a book. <laughs> so <laughs> they should go talk to an older person. Yeah. And ask them what oh, that go, means. Go Google it, okay? And then you'll be like, oh, okay. So, anyway. Okay, so before we left on the break, we said there are three options. So, the realist, right? Like, let's get real on it's not about the mask, first of all. It's about because the virus is so heavily influencing our behavior that's really, it's just the topic that comes up all the time. It's hard to tap dance around it. So, instead, let's just plow right through this thing and get real. Okay. Okay. The get real First, show. The get real is let's assume a couple of things, okay? These may not be true, but we'll make assumptions, okay? Let's assume it's pretty bad, okay? Right? Uh, and we'll say pretty bad is that, you know, it's, let's say that 4%, which is kind of the high end of the data, but four out of every 100 people that get this virus, regardless of age or otherwise, it's going to take them down. Right. Okay. That'd be really aggressive. 330 million people, 4% of the population. You're talking about Ooh. millions of people not coming home. Okay. Right? You're, that's, that's a massive number, like millions die. Okay. That would be an economic catastrophe. Right. Just if you took the, if you took the population down by 4%, it would just impact GDP directly. There's an, not, right. there's I mean, not a just, moral hazard to this. It's just, it's spending. Yeah. Uh, like those, because, that four, that 4 million people are just not spending. Right. And that will have a material impact. Uh, let's not talk about that so much though, is let's talk about the behavior. Let's say it's bad. Uh, actually, the, it doesn't matter if it's bad or not. Let's talk about their policy response. Okay. The virus is what it is, but let's say that we respond as if it's really bad, and that means these cases are on the rise, and elected officials, whether you know through executive order or through some other kind of voted-in fashion, but right now it's all been executive order because it's happened so quickly, just lock the economy down. We're talking full shelter-in-place, uh, restaurants and and other ga public gathering places all have to shut down entirely. You're back to Zoom meetings and trying to work from home. We're not opening schools, all of that. Okay. The economic impact uh, is starting to be demonstrated is pretty painful. Uh, here's the question. Do we or don't we get a second round of stimulus, stimulus or additional payments for people not working? I wouldn't, I almost wouldn't see why not. Because I, I'm curious why you say that. Because if, if, the, if the economy is being impacted that badly, then they're going to want to try to stimulate it a little bit, right? They're going to want to put it again on life support. And I mean, if they felt the, they felt like everything was so bad so quickly to offer a first initial stimulus, then I wouldn't see why they wouldn't do it again, especially if everything went back to lockdown. Because you still have a lot of people that haven't returned to work yet, even though the economy is trying to open up. Um, and 
I just you're so much less cynical than me it's delightful really yes <laughs> I just I look at this and say they had to do stimulus because they they killed a bunch of small business and if you have a government that just comes out and says well we're gonna pick winners and losers these businesses survive and these other ones die when it's hard to discern the difference between the two like you know why does Walmart live and Home Depot live but the small restaurateur dies right okay it it just reeks of favoritism, right? It just reeks of it. So I think that there had to be some kind of policy response that quickly came out and said, then we better just get money in the system. Well, and some of that too is, um, I feel like there's always a time in every decade where legacy things are challenged, right? And like, it's like, well, you have a chance to re revamp, rebirth, you know, reconstruct the way your business is handled and do things in a little bit of a different way. But what I've realized, too, is there's not a ton of problem solver people. Like, there's a lot of people that are going, well, this is my business and this is how I've always done business. And now I know and I can't do it that way any longer. So now I don't know what to do. And instead of going, OK, well, I have a problem. Can I find other creative solutions to maybe fix this problem temporarily or fix it? Maybe even change it a little bit, change my business model in the future. I think we get stuck in that panic. We talked a lot about emotions versus logic right when you're emotional and you're stressed and your business is shutting down and everything you're not not always thinking logically right you're not sitting down going let me take a step back and look at everything sorry i have eight million alarms set on my phone and i just put it on silent um all right so now, so, now so you, i'll now give you, you get fined that's how it happens at rotary darn it i know right here's my 10 cents or my dollar or whatever it is um I'm pretty sure it's more than 10 cents <laughs> i think i'm thinking who of carries, la tip who dimes around dimes I know, right? Can you Only? get those anymore? <laughs> yes, you can because my children count them. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but so I have I have a, a friend who is a business owner um, who's a rancher, right? And they've said because of supply and demand and everything that they can't fill orders this year. So they're like, well, what do I do with what I have on hand? And I'm not going to go into depth because I don't want to expose this person. But again, stepping back and going, well, let, let's talk about some different options of ways you can do stuff. And it's stuff that hadn't even occurred to them to do it. But again, if that's been your business model for the last 50 years or 40 years. See, or, I don't even. Uh, you don't. By the way, you don't ever think that way because you think out of the box all the time. It's not even. Well, I don't think about it in this scenario. I mean, I think businesses get overrun oftentimes by just, you know, the, the currents of change and they don't keep up and they just get overwhelmed and then they're irrelevant. You know, I always say it's sort of the horse and buggy treatment, right? Yeah. Like, there's no manufacturers of horse and buggy anymore. That's just not relevant. Well, there is, but there might be one, not 80 well, million. Probably, <laughs> I mean, and they're an Amish country. Can I, I was going to say, can you make an Amish <laughs> joke here? I, I don't think Aww. you're allowed to do that anymore. So, I know. PC, but, PC is ruining humor, by the way. I can say that on the air. P political correctness is just ruining humor. I don't even know if that even exists much anymore. But so, it's it's. But th that's kind of my point, though, is it's, it's you're right. It happens. Like I said, it happens every decade. And this virus is actually forcing businesses to do it maybe more rapidly. We'll see. And I this is where I will just very politely but very directly disagree with you. OK, because this virus is not really to me different than other viruses or threats that have always existed. It's the government response that created the threat. I will agree with that. Right. And so a business, you know, saying, well, you know, the business needs to reinvent itself. It's like, why? Because somebody changed the rules in the middle of the game. It's not like the free market did it. It's the government came in and said, we're going to change the rules now. And, and supply and demand didn't do that. 
right? No. And, and that's where there is this massive disagreement in the marketplace about whether or not it's appropriate for the government to intervene like this. Right. No, and I agree with you on all those points, too. Like, I mean, and, and I'm not saying the businesses have to revamp. I mean, some of them are, are sheltering in place. They're just saying we're going we're gonna to wither the storm and hopefully the storm passes soon enough that we can open back up. Right. And we don't die while we're stuck inside. Um, but sometimes you have to find creative solutions for what you're looking for. And you're right. It wasn't something by choice. That's, it was thrust upon you. This is back to my original of, you know, so when I asked you, do you think there'll be more stimulus? I think there will be. Of course. And and I'm not I don't say that flippantly or derogatorily. I'm just saying, well, sure, there will, because no politician has thought through what the heck's happened in the first place. I this am is all about so scared to death to do my taxes next year. Like, well, and it's and for the general population to try to figure out what rules and stuff they're going to write and, in and, and change. Remember, it'll be April 15. So it's in nine months. So you don't get a year. You Maybe get, they may extend it to July next year. You don't know this whole thing. I guess I go back to the point of when you start inventing money and you think that that solved it. It's like, you know what we did? We did some really aggressive policy and in hindsight, we'll see if it was the right move actuarially. I still say, right, and this is just meaning that if you calculate what it costs and what we got for the cost we paid, did we get what we paid for, right? I mean, sure. I'm oversimplifying, and that term's not entirely appropriate, but it is in, if, if you understand my, my intent behind my meaning, which is, so we had this massive policy response. And at first, we didn't have any idea whether it was good, bad, or otherwise. We just had to, like, do an immediate assessment and it needed to be a stop the damage as quickly as possible so that we can assess what's going on and then try to mitigate our policy. And that got dragged on a lot longer than we intended, I believe. And then we just started printing money to say, well, this is because we our immediate lockdown damaged and, and in some cases ended certain employment. Right. We'll just print money we'll and, pay and try to, fix to solve it. that. So say yeah. And fix then, it with our checkbook. Right. And then we'll fix it with our credit card. Yeah. Right. Not, not even our checkbook. Our, checkbook, our, our credit, credit card. card. Yeah, that's true. And then we and continue to say, well, now we got to start paying the bill at some point. We better start letting people get back to work. And now we're starting to say, nope, we might have to shut them back down and use the credit card again. Uh, it's what, dangerous. What it's, it's a slippery slope. It's just, ooh, it's like an oil slick out there. <laughs> well, I don't think it's going to happen that way. I think something else is going to happen. Oh, uh, you do, do you? I do. Um, and that's, so this is what I really think is going on with the whole mask thing okay. and everything else. But guess what? We got to take a break. We do. We do. So if you want to hear my crazy musings about why this mask thing, I'll tell you, but we got to take a break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you got True Well on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, time to get back off the phone and on to the microphone. Oh, my God. I know. See what you did? This is, I thought you said it was on silent. It is on silent. The and yet, it's off. It, it, it alarms, totally... I think, I don't think alarms are on silent on purpose. You know, you know where it's going to be next time? In my car. In the car. Yep. <laughs> like, In, we can't have the, my, my she cell, is blowing up like My cell phone's believe. on timeout. It's, so I will tell you, my life is chaotic still. Um, and I set alarms so that I don't forget to do things. And I started looking at how many alarms I have set. It's retarded. Like, I had to start setting some alarms, like, two or three minutes apart, because otherwise I'd have four things I'm reminded of at one time. It was just crazy. Yep. You were going to get um, 
Hawaii, <laughs> do me a favor. I'm begging and pleading, please. Hawaii, open up so I can go at the end of August, please. Oh, Let, let's I've not got, quarantine. I've got good news for you relative to that. Do you know? So. If it's different than what I read, it'd be fascinating. Oh, no, they've already made their commitment through the end of July. Yeah, I know. I know okay? that. I mean, they've already happened. But here's what I think is really going on. Okay. okay. Here's why I believe. This is me just connecting the dots here. I'm a conspiracy theorist a little bit right now. Why the mask order? I don't know why. Because they need to open the economy back up. Right. It's and not they know a want thing. It's a need thing. The government's going, if we don't do this, the knock-on effects are going to become so, so huge that the damage will begin to be, I won't call it irreparable. I'm just going to say it will be significant and long-term. Like, we're talking about, and I this is an inflammatory statement here, but we're talking Great Depression kind of impact. Right. Which, who knows what that's going to look like now. I mean, But Great Depression crazy. impact means we're already at historically high unemployment levels right now. Right. But imagine sustained unemployment levels, like one in five people has no job, oh. and there's not a job to come back to. That's not Because good. we globalized the economy and said, well, we put in place a lot of rules that make hiring local too expensive, so we'll push it overseas. Right. Right. And so we end up with an entire class of or group of people that is so desperately underemployed that it's almost impossible to break out of that environment. Okay. I don't know. There's so, a lot of crazy things. So you wear masks. Now think about this for a moment, everybody. A lot of folks are going, Oh, mask grumble, grumble, because uh, you're sort of like me. You don't like being told what to do. And you don't, I mean, let's wearing a mask. Isn't fun. It's probably not quite as bad as everybody's making it out to be, but it's not fun. And I don't know if it's really effective. It is bad when you haven't brushed your teeth because when you're breathing your own dragon breath, it's awful. <laughs> well, you know, and remember, never neglect. I'm I'm your oral hygiene. Your oral I am hygiene. putting I am putting it out there for anybody listening who wants to be an inventor. Invent scented masks so that when you breathe in, you smell or breathe in mint. I think if they will do that, oh my gosh, I think it would make the mask wearing so much more well, bearable. You know, the next thing will be antimicrobial masks where they're, you know, silver and other things impregnated in the fiber because it prevents things from growing in the mask. Yes. Okay. So that's another element. But why the mask? Okay. And here's the thing. Initially, it was almost a virtue signaling event. Like, if you wear the mask, it's because you care. If you don't wear the mask, you don't. And it, and there's been a lot of messaging around that. Oh, so much on Facebook, by okay. the way. So much. But I, being more of a cynic here, <laughs> will say, first of all, the mask is not useless. No, right? I mean, it not. really does stop, like, a sneeze. It stops. If it's not stopping COVID, it's stopping some things that aren't COVID. Yeah. Okay? So that's interesting. But I think what happens is... The mask behavior then sort of allows the reopening of the economy regardless. Okay. Okay. So it's 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 a so solution it's that's not a fix-all. It's it's not really a great fix. And, you know, you're going to have to see modification of things. But it's all about now we really are moving toward herd immunity. And we are talking about flattening the curve because that's what these things will do. But keep in mind, when a government spends three to four trillion dollars on stimulus, 
and certain jobs are permanently lost. In a sense, you've bought a narrative now. If you deviate from that and say like, oh, we just made a mistake, the people that were damaged badly oh, they're are gonna not going to They're not going to forgive easy, right? No. But if you sort of say, well, then let's start changing our messaging that we're going to reopen, we're going to do this, or we're going to do that, then it's sort of a, and again, maybe I'm a cynic here, but is it a save face move? Okay. I don't know. I never thought about it that way, and but it so, could be. Well, and that's why I bring it up is but, because I think whether it is or it isn't doesn't matter if the masks really do work well and social distancing, then we can still get back to going. So what, what's fascinating to me is actually seeing the states start to fight, right? Like I've always thought of the United States as like, oh, we're all brothers and sisters. And, you know, every state kind of has their own rules, but they get along with one another and they've kind of agreed to follow the same rules. Well, California actually sued Hawaii. They said, you can't stop tourism. This is crap. And they filed a lawsuit, which I thought was fascinating. I'm like, really? And then what I've read so far is he's like, well, you don't have to 14-day quarantine if you can prove you've had a COVID test within 72 hours. Now I'm like, where do I go get a COVID test? So right. brings up other issues, right? So I there's, don't know. There's a lot of like just well, and rules and are changing daily. They're, they're being changed mid-game. But I'm trying to tell people, look at the game. Right. Don't look at the individual pieces of it and be a spectator up high looking at the whole field. Yes. And that's not if we took a higher level look at the economy, what we would know is that our government and our states can't afford to do a full shutdown again. To do a shutdown again. Like we, we can't, and you can't print your way out of this. And in fact, it's extraordinarily dangerous if we then turn around and tell the federal government, go ahead and just print money and bail states out that are in have solvency issues now even though the these shutdowns created solvency issues and then solvency issues that already existed a bunch of state pensions are underfunded and so forth if we don't so so the government you know bails out states that were in financial trouble then what they've done is essentially embolden the states to then go out and get in even deeper financial trouble yet again because there's no reform in the process. It's right. just here's a bailout check. Right. Right. So we don't reform a broken system that got they were in a problem before this. The problem just got really bad when this happened. So we've got sort of a moral hazard so issue. So we have systemic issues that we're not fixing. Yes. And we're trying to just write it away with a checkbook, which are a credit card. And and you can but do it's... a little bit because every country in the world did it. Right. Everybody said, like, well, we better stop everything. And so the, everybody's getting a short term pass because we're all in this together. Right. But at some point, it's about how do you start to get back to economic productivity again? And I don't care what you you can disagree with me. If you don't think politics are involved in the decision making around this, oh you, my gosh. You and I just disagree. Right. Right. I think that there are political motives behind lots of decisions, some of them intended to make one party look good or another party look bad or vice versa but nevertheless i'm interested to see how the policy change after election in november oh I, I'm, I'm terribly interested in that as well but uh between now and then i think that regardless of who's in power you could have a lot of cynical voters if and a lot of angry people too that you know many have shown up at these protests and civil unrest and so forth a lot of angry people because the government will have you know lost pushed their jobs out and then you know you don't you just don't get to say oopsie right that's not how this works like oh sorry you can't make four trillion dollar mistakes so what you do is you change 
the messaging. It'll be interesting and, to and see if we to, have the lowest amount of votes this year. I don't know. I'm going to guess that voter turnout is remarkably high because we have really polarized a polarizing candidate, and then we have a highly divided voting population. I think voter. I'm going to do the opposite. I think voter population is going to be extremely low this year. Okay. Well, this will be a fun one now. I wonder how we should define it. Maybe we'll do that at the end of our next segment. But break first. So stick around. We'll be right back where Katie and I will make a uh, really exotic bet on air with very <laughs> high stakes. That and more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang. Welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show where you're just joining us. And by the way, Katie, in the house. I know. I'm so excited and, to be back. But don't forget podcast, right? If you... Uh, want to check out the show if you're just tuning in then we've got the podcast it'll be posted tomorrow at littlejohnfs.com and if you're really looking for an adventure join us tomorrow at 2 p.m you can check out facebook or youtube we've already posted the links so that you can join us but we will be streaming live we've got some special announcements big announcements right so special announcements happening tomorrow live at 2 p.m good announcements not bad ones right <laughs> yep these are cool and I, I'm like holding back because I would love to announce it on air right now. But no, we tomorrow will not. at two, we will not. Two p.m. Pacific Standard. Yep, live stream Facebook and YouTube. And then for those of you that don't make the live stream, you can also, if you haven't, go to our webpage and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you want to get on the mailing list, we will send a follow up link for everybody so that you can uh, go find it. It'll it'll be on YouTube, by the way. So if you go to our YouTube channel, you'll see the special announcement afterwards. But you can check it out live tomorrow at 2 p.m. And then uh, what were we talking about here? We I were believe, making a bet. I said I believe there was a bet. On voter turnout. Right. So you believe that voter turnout I think it's going to be low. I think people are just agitated and irritated with everything that's going on right now and kind of just don't I don't know, like just don't want to deal with it. So I so, think voter turnout will be low. But you believe that it's going to be high for the exact same reasons. Like you think it's going to be higher because people are agitated and irritated and want to change things. Yes. So I, I think that people are as passionate as I've ever seen them on one side. And and it's interesting. Uh, there was in the, the last election in 2015... Uh, a lot of people would have characterized the election as uh, Hillary, Cl Hillary Clinton. It, well, I guess it was, was it 2016? Yeah, because 2020. I thought it was. Every, every four years, babe. Come on. Yeah, so it was, it was 16. <laughs> Come Thank on, you. Dave. Yeah, it was the end of 16. That's correct. Okay. So, yep, that, see, that's why she's here. Uh, so it was sort of a Hillary versus anybody but Hillary was yeah. how a lot of people characterized that. And it appears to me that this next election is Donald Trump versus anybody but Donald Trump. Oh, that's kind of true. Right? So it's just the other polarity, if you will. And that's what's fascinating. And, of course, there's this debate on whether or not there should be mail-in ballots. And, you know, if we're still in COVID lockdown, do you let more states do more mail-in ballots? And does that change the outcome? Which it very well may. Right. Uh, because mail-in ballots potentially could have a lot easier turnout and a lot sooner. Uh, and I'm not even going to you know, go into the are they secure or not or whatever. I mean, how much fraud. I, uh, 
right? <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> Right, but if you think about the strategies at play, let's, if things lock back down, and then you've got this push for mail-in ballots, how does that change the potential outcomes? Think about which bases are energized over which issues and so forth. And you can see that here's the dirty secret about a lot of the media and what we see today. It's all political science. It's true. And I think there's a lot of political science in the way that the issues are being managed around the virus as well. I think there's real science, by the way. I think there are people that genuinely are trying to do a great job, like genuinely. And I think that uh, a lot of our, uh, well, there's a word for it now, with our, you know, our epidemiologists. That's what it is. The folks that are special <laughs> disease specialists. David likes to pick out really big words to sound really smart. <laughs> well, that was just, I mean, people are talking about, well, what scientists are out there telling us these things? So there's epidemiologists and then there's uh, a lot of different folks. I mean, I don't buy it when somebody says, well, scientists are saying or doctors say it's like, great. So they went to school. That doesn't mean they're right. Okay. I've met a lot of doctors that are wrong. Just saying. They're still human. People yeah. still have the right to make mistakes. Nobody but is perfect. Whatever the case, there are people that are working hard, and then there are people that are working hard at controlling a narrative. Right. I am not. I think it happens from all angles, both right. sides. So I'm not trying to say one group's in a clear and one group is not. It's, it's Do you know anybody that's in a clear? Like I haven't found. <laughs> I haven't found one method that I fully trust. Yeah, me neither. Okay, I'm. I'm. You know. I mean, it's again not picking winners versus losers. I feel like nobody's telling the truth. Everybody's just telling their side of the story, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. We're all biased. There's no such thing as zero editorial because even the news reporter has a personal viewpoint when they learn about the news and how they re-communicate it. Right. It's inescapable that there's some editorial nature, even to what's included or not, and the choice of wording and so forth. So. There will always be a little bit. The question is, how egregious is it? And in some environments, that's it's what I think is the egregious. important thing. You know, like high five to Kyle Bailey locally here, who I think does a wonderful job of trying to be down the middle and just fair about he, reporting. He does really try yeah. to be neutral. I mean, like I gotta give the guy credit for saying, look, he has opinions, but he's so good about saying my role isn't to communicate an opinion. My it's role to is to tell you the truth or to the, try to tell the you the information. The yeah. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate that about about Kyle. And I think, by and large, we attempt to do that, but there's always Aside. motivations underneath. I mean, the, even here, I mean, we are a paid advertiser on this program. Right. And what you pay, to, get, we pay you, to give you our opinion. Well, there's a bunch of opinion <laughs> associated with it. But, but our take on it is to try to be fair, open, listen to all the sides. You're going to get a lot of opinion. Well, and, and even us, right? Our opinions don't always align. Like, we have difference it of opinions. It is true. And, and even today, as I'm talking about, well, the mask conspiracy theory, right? It, maybe it's wrong. <laughs> who would, I mean, who says that on the radio? Maybe it's wrong. I'm just saying it's kind of an interesting thought experiment to think about what's at stake. Right. What's already been committed to. And then how do we, like, uh, I'm not so convinced that we have a, a government that's interested in destroying everybody and turning us into communist China or something like that. There are those that believe that's the end design. I don't think I it's don't that think that's sinister. it either. I don't think yeah. it's that sinister. I think that there are a lot of people that are trying to make policy that they believe is in the the best interest of as many people as possible. And I think we have genuine differences in what that means. Agreed. Right. And so if that happens, 
disagreement breeds discontent. Okay, and it's a big country with 330 million people. Look, I tease that we can't get 30 homeowners to agree in our HOA. <laughs> are you going to get 330 million people to agree? To agree? Right? You know, the only thing people agree to is like, well, you know, free stuff, or and even then, people don't agree to that because well, this thing is free. And I was going to say, let's talk about the rules, right? Because none of the states have applied the same rules. Like, if we all agreed, then everybody would be doing the exact same thing, and they're not. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, there you go. So do I have a solution? No, not not to the mask thing. Other than wear the mask, I, whether I would, or not you like I would it, follow the you, rules, regardless of whether or not you like it. That this is not the issue to fall on your sword about. Okay, now if this becomes the slippery slope to more issues, we can revisit. But if the idea is we're trying to stop the spread of a virus, and some people genuinely are trying to do that, and other people are more sinister, let's start with a low hanging fruit of maybe we really do just want to stop the spread of a virus, and I'm okay with that. Me too. Okay, so. With that, I know that we have just a few more seconds until the music comes on. So, look, I suppose if you disagree with me, um, no, don't call. That'll just blow everything up. And if you agree with me, you don't have to call either. But if you have financial questions, how do they reach us, Katie? 541-375-0898. There you go. Uh, and also the website? littlejohnfs.com. And don't forget, you can check out Facebook or YouTube special live announcement tomorrow at two but we're out of time so until next time this has been david littlejohn and katie shuck and you've been listening to true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen